Right, so we're continuing the series Lean and Fit, and this is part five. And just to give a, a, a recap for those who haven't been here. So we live on, on this earth, which is part of a vast system created by God. I don't care what other people say, God created everything. The system is made up of the physical and the spiritual. To live on this earth, we need a physical presence. Even though we are spirit beings. We always forget that we are spirit beings. You know, we only go by what we see. But we are spirit beings in a physical body. And you have to be in this physical body if you want to exist in time and space. So our bodies which we, in which we live enables us to interact in this physical world. We are experts at the physical but weak in spiritual things. Our world and our environment that we live in is hostile of those living in it. It's hostile to us. Everyone. Christian or non-Christian. And you'll understand as I go. And you have to go back to the beginning of the series to understand what I meant by hostile. Uh, I don't have the time to flesh out what I talked about uh, three or four messages ago. So over the past couple weeks we talked about Jesus and why and how he came to deal with the sin problem which is the cause of the hostility in the world. We also spoke about Satan's attempt to entice Jesus and how Jesus was able to resist because he knew who he was. <laughs> That's very important. Jesus was able to resist the temptations of Satan because he knew who he was. And the reason why a lot of us get tripped up is because we do not know who we are. We, are, we spoke also about how the demons reverence Jesus. And how they recognize his authority. The demons reverence Jesus and recognize his authority. And that same authority he has given to us. But many of us don't understand that. Don't know that and don't walk in that authority. So the same despot who has Jesus had authority over. He has given us the authority over this, those same despots. But if you don't know it, they can take advantage of you. So Jesus made a way. He sent the Holy Spirit and gave us the Word of God so that we can become lean and fit in this hostile environment. And that's why the series Lean and Fit. Because we are anemic in the spiritual. We need to become lean and fit in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual things. Because as I said before, things in the spirit control the things in the natural. So let me talk about last week. We were in Judges chapter 13 and 14 and we talked about the miracle of Samson and also his parents. Even though Samson had a special anointing from God with a gift which manifested as supernatural strength, we saw flaws in his character and also that of his parents. We saw the fallout and consequences of a person who had a godly gift and anointing but did not know who they were. Samson had a godly gift an anointing from God, but still didn't know who he was. And that was a detriment to him. And we saw also how the enemy took advantage of him. Even though he had a gift from God, an anointing from God, the enemy still took advantage of him. So, through the example of Samson and his parents, we saw why it's important for parents to prepare their children, to teach them who they are in Christ, so that they do not become prey 
to the corruption that's in the world. If you as a parent don't know, you can't teach your kids what you don't know. So it's, it's, it's important as parents that we learn, especially if you're walking in Christ and you say you're a Christian, understand what Jesus has done and invested in us as children of God and how we ought to conduct our walk. And as we learn, not only uh, set the example for our children, but we also have to teach them so that they do not become corrupted in the world. Because we are in the flesh, and the flesh is easily corrupted. So through the example of our lifestyle, that example must reflect, the children must see us living that lifestyle. We, it's one thing to say something to children, but you not only have to say it, you have to back up what you say. So you can't say, do like I say, but not as I do. That's not going to fly. You will have no respect from your children. You actually won't have any respect from anyone if you do not back up your word. If you don't keep your word, you, have, you will have no credibility. This is who God is raising us to be. People of good and godly character. When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. When we speak, we back up what we say we're going to do. Because that's God's character. When God says something, He backs it up. If he says he's going to do something, guess what? He's going to do it. So it's imperative that parents take a stand and not yield to the whims of their children. Did you hear what I just said? Because you love some, your child, it doesn't mean you spoil them. Because you spoiling them can be, lead to a detriment for them later on. That is what happened to Samson. Okay? So it's important that as parents, when you know something is right, you stick to your guns and take a stand and do not yield to the whims of your children. Because children will try to put a guilt trip on you. Just like your parents try to put a guilt trip on you. If you love me, you'll do this. You all can relate to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like Satan said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, do this. If you are this, do that. It's a setup. When, when parents or siblings or children use that if condition, they're trying to set you up. If you love me, you'll do this. It's a setup. Stick to your guns. Don't yield to the whims of your children. Don't you, actually, don't yield to the whims of anybody. If you know your stand is just. So be firm in your conviction. Because one day the decisions you make as parents, will shape the future of your children. And as you saw, what we saw, what happened with Samson. His end wasn't too good. He repented and God helped him at the end. So today I want to look at something a little different. I'm going to start talking a bit about avoiding danger and getting through danger in this hostile environment in which we live. Avoiding danger and getting through danger. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 through 9. Okay, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. 
casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So he says here in verse 5, all of you, I'm going to, in the midway, he says, all of you be submissive to one another. Now, message, a couple messages ago, um, when I was talking about koinonia, fellowship, the Bible talks about the members one of another. And that's why we say we are to, the members are to love one another the same way. But we, this love talking about is being in submission to one another because we need each other. We have to learn to submit to one another. And don't get that twist submiss submission thing twisted, okay? Don't get it twisted. It just means that we have to put the needs of others before our own needs. I put my, your needs before mine. You put my needs before yours. That's, how it, that's how what it means. And be clothed with humility. So, Peter's admonishment to the saints, submit to one another, putting the needs of others before our own needs. We don't always have to be first, but yield to each other. We don't always have to be right, but yield to each other. And be clothed with humility. What does that mean? Do things God's way and not our own way. That's what humility means. Humility has nothing to do with the way you look. It has nothing with the way you dress. It doesn't even really have much to do with what comes out of your mouth. It's what's in your heart. Humility has to do with doing things God's way. Because when you're doing things God's way, that means you put aside your way and you humble yourself to do it His way. That's what humility is. Walking in humility is not rocket science. All it means is just do things God's way. That's all humility means. We have to walk in humility because our way is the way of the flesh which is selfish and unrighteous. We, we know that. When you want to do things your way as Samson did, you saw Samson was selfish. He just wanted what he wanted. He wasn't walking in humility. He wasn't walking in love. He's walking in, in, in selfishness. He wanted what he wanted. He was full of himself. Alright? So that's why it's, and there's a reason why Peter and the scripture said, be submissive to, submissive to one another and walk in humility. Do things God's way and he will exalt you at the right time. <laughs> Many of us have a hard time with that. When it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Many of us have a hard time with that. Because sometimes God's time is not our time. We want it now. I want it yesterday, Lord. Why is it taking so long? Humble yourself. And let him do it in his time. But this requires trust. This requires faith. This requires knowing God. Because you've got to humble yourself. And know that what you want, you have, to put, you have to give it away in God's hands. And trust him to do what you want in the right time. That is not easy. We as human beings do not like to give away our power. We do not like to give away control. We want what we want when we want it. That's just the way it is. So do things God's way. And in due season, He would, he would exalt us. We really need faith and, and a love and a trust in God to submit ourselves to His Word. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
When you want to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, with whom you want to do it. And then the Word of God and the Spirit of God or somebody comes and says, by the Word of God, you need to humble yourself and do it God's way. That is not easy. Especially if you're walking with God, you have to say, Lord, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this and do it your way. That takes a heart of humility. That takes a heart of love and knowing and trusting God to put aside your will and do it His way. That is not easy, but that comes through relationship with God. It comes through koinonia. It comes through knowing who He is and knowing your relationship to Him. And willing to submit your will to that relationship. Knowing that His purpose for you is for good. And that things will work out in accordance to His purpose for your life. But it takes a heart of commitment, a heart submitted to the will of God, submitted knowing the love of God. The Lord knows that we worry. That's why He said here, cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. The Lord knows that we worry. I don't care who you are. Say, I don't worry. Yes, you do. Somewhere there is something annoying and nagging at your mind that have you worried, but then you have to stop. You have to check yourself. Trust me, there are times I say, I don't worry, but then mm-hmm. after a while, the thoughts come and you start getting focusing on the issue. Then you have to say, wait a minute. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not to worry about this. I'm going to let it go and let God do what He has to do. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to keep reminding us of what when we're getting off track. Alright, so the Lord knows that we worry. He knows that we have needs. That's why the scripture says to cast your care upon Him. Because He cares for us. To really yield to that scripture, we have to have a mature faith to truly cast our cares upon the Lord. And leave it with Him. You have to have such a, a confidence in God that you're willing to leave things with Him. That is not easy. No wonder in Matthew 6.33 Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What? If you read the scripture before, Jesus talks about the cares of the world. He says, He talks about how we, the things that we desire, the things that we need. We always worry. We always try to fix things. We always try to get things working right. But that's why He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the things you're concerned about, God will make it available to you. He will give you what you need. That's why Peter is saying, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because when you're worried, you're walking in your flesh. When you're worried, you're distracted. When you're worried, you're not focused on God. You're focused on your own desires. You're focused on what's not working. You're focused on what's not happening. You're focused on what's not going right. And with that, focus comes more worry and more worry. And you know, as we worry, things become a big thing. It becomes exaggerated. Mountain comes from a molehill because you're worried. Because it's it's human nature to always think the worst is going to happen. Alright, so there's a reason why we have to cast our cares on the Lord. And this is to avoid danger. Do you understand? He said, cast your cares upon the Lord. Because he cares for you. Why? The reason why Peter is saying that, the reason why he's saying that, is so that we could avoid danger. Alright, let me, let me break it down for you. 
If you don't cast your cares upon the Lord, we will not yield to the Spirit. As I was saying before, if you don't cast your care upon the Lord, you're going to worry. And when you worry, you're not yielding to the Spirit, you're yielding, you're yielding to your flesh. Then you try to figure out how I'm going to fix this, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that. Listen, when you try to get something achieved, when you try to figure out how to do something, sometimes we will come up with some crazy ideas to try and fix something. Out of, it just comes out, out of left field. And sometimes you even think of illegal and not so right ways to do it. Don't tell me that thought never comes to your mind. It happens to me, so I'm not ashamed to say it, because I know I'm not perfect. But I have to rein those thoughts in. Alright? So it's important. And that's where the danger comes, is when you start going crazy and start thinking weird stuff. So if we don't cast our cares upon the Lord, we will not yield to the Spirit, but to our flesh. And try to fix things ourselves. I'm not saying to sit and do nothing about your situation. All I'm saying is to prayerfully seek guidance, wisdom, by the Spirit, or by someone who has a sound mind. Get input so that you can make a prudent decision about how to approach a situation. I remember a time I made a hasty decision which I'm still paying for. Now, financially. That's when you don't take the time to prayerfully consider and evaluate your circumstance and get the right input about how you approach it. Because when you just do things haphazardly, just do things off the cuff, that's when you can get into some serious trouble. And the thing about that is that you cannot go and do over. You can't backtrack and do it over. Once you commit to something, it's, it's, done. it's gone. It's done. And then you reap the consequences of what that rash decision, you will reap the consequences of it. That's just the way it is in life. So I'm saying, don't, I'm not saying to be idle. I said to prayerfully consider and think about what you're doing. Get inputs. Prayerfully seek God about what you need to do about certain things. Talk to people you can trust, whoever, as I said, some head on their shoulder. Get input. Get godly advice about how to, to, to do things. And then make the best decision you can. And as you do that, God will back it up because He knows that you're not seeking to walk in your flesh. You're seeking to walk by faith. Alright? We need godly wisdom and not the worldly ways. And the worldly ways is to manipulate, to scheme, lie, and fight. When we decide to do things our way and not humble ourselves to do things God's way, we make ourselves vulnerable to danger. Did you hear what I just said? When you do things God, uh, when you do things your own way and you don't humble yourself to do things God's way, you make yourselves vulnerable to danger. And God is not obligated to back up your efforts. God is only obligated to back up His word. That's it. God will only back up His Word, not your efforts. Alright? So that's why it says here, that's why Peter is saying, cast your cares upon the Lord. Give it to God. Because he said here, there is an enemy, an adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. What is that? In verse 8, as it said, be aware of your environment. The roaring lion is a predator. A lion is a predator. A lion, a roaring lion, the enemy like a roaring lion. He didn't say he is a roaring lion. He said he is like a roaring lion. That means he is a predator. 
seeking whom he may devour. So that may doesn't mean that he's going to devour you. He's looking for an opportunity to devour you. So if you don't know who you are, that predator will devour you because you don't know who you are. You don't recognize the predator. And when you walk in your ways, you are vulnerable to the attack of the predator. Of the predator. But when you walk in God's way, God is, because the word of God says, He will keep you when you walk in His way. So when you walk in God's ways, God will put up a hedge of protection around you so the predator cannot get to you. Because God has to back up His word. If I am walking by faith, doing things God's way, the enemy cannot do anything to me. The predator cannot do anything to me. Because God has to keep His word. If God cannot keep His word, He cannot be trusted. Why worship Him? Why waste my time? But He's obligated by His power to keep those who walk by faith. And what is walking by faith? Walking in humility. Doing things His way and not my way. So He has to back up His word. He's got to keep that protection, that hedge of protection around me. Glory to God. When you decide to humble yourself, understand that the enemy will try to get you to move in your flesh. Did you hear that? We make decisions to do things God's way. And then you have somebody will come and say, some, and it's usually people close to you. Why, why are you doing that? This person just cuts you out. Just took your parking space or whatever it is. And you said, you know what? I just let it go. And you said, what? You allowing this to happen? You need to go and tell that person off. And you need to do this and do that. Next thing you know, the person have it. Who knows what day that person, kind of day that person have. And you see it in the news all the time. Why is there, why is there world rage? Why do, does this happen and that happen? That person could have gotten up on the wrong side of the bed. Had a big fight with his wife. Get, going through some, some divorce. And you come in to irritate him about a parking spot. He pulled his gun out and shoot you. He took a knife and stick you. Why? Because you, you, you set yourself up. In the beginning, the Spirit of God might say, just let it go. And, you're not, and somebody comes and says, oh, you're going to take that? You're going to let that person do that to you? And then you're like, well, I don't want to look like a little wuss. So I'm going to go talk to that person and get in his face. And then you go get in that person's face and you get jacked up because somebody, the enemy used to stick you, your pride got hurt, so you're going to go do something about it and you end up in the hospital and, or, in, or in the morgue. That's how, that's how it works. But we don't understand how the dynamics of the spirit, things in the spirit. We wonder why people do what they do. That's why. Because people are walking in darkness. And there are spiritual forces behind the scenes pulling strings, making suggestions to people. And when you're walking in your flesh, you don't understand the dynamics of things happening in the spiritual realm. This is what happens. How can that person just go and kill all these people? How can he go kill his wife, kill his kids? This guy's going through a divorce. He spent how many years married to this woman? They had no kids. They raised a family with kids now. They bought a house. They have property. He worked how much overtime he worked. Two jobs, three jobs. And 10 years, 15 years later, she wants a divorce. He got, she's going with some other guy. He has to give half of everything to her, to her and, this, and this man. So he starts getting thoughts. He is mad. He's upset. And then here comes the enemy. That's not right. What she's doing with you is not right. All that suffering you have to go through, all that overtime. 
And she says, what? She don't love you anymore because of this or that? You don't treat her right? You're this, you're that? And she's just going to leave you and take half of everything? Why don't you just kill her? Burn the house. Get rid of everything. If you burn the house, you kill her. She's nothing to get. And those are the thoughts. And if you're not understanding and you keep listening and rehearsing, eventually what happens? People get driven it's not demonic possession, it's demonic, demonic oppression. And you start listening. And that thing starts become more and more, like a big, the biggest, the loudest voice you hear. And then people eventually, they just give in. And go do it. That's what happens. Somebody just doesn't decide one day just to get up and go kill somebody. It builds up over time. That's how the enemy works. He said the devil like a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And that's how you get devoured when you list given and you're walking vulnerable. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 don't turn there, we're, we're running out of time read fast. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 I'm just going to deal with something very simple. The Bible says now whom you forgive anything I also forgive. This is, this is Paul speaking here. He said, whoever has done anything to you, you forgive them. He said, I also forgive them. So we have the power to forgive sins. Because the sin was committed against you. And you forgive that person. Why did you forgive? You forgive them of the sin that was committed against you. And Paul says, because you have done that, I also forgive that person. For indeed, if I have forgiven anything, he said, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. We forgive, we have to forgive people for our own sake and for that person's sake. He said, well, why did he say that? He said, verse 11, lest Satan should have advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. If you do, God, listen to this. When you do not forgive, you become a prisoner to the sin against you. When you don't forgive somebody who hurt you, you become prisoner. Because you're holding on to it. You're holding on to the hurt. You are imprisoned, not in a physical prison, you're in a spiritual prison. Because you're holding on to something. Alright? You become a prisoner to the sin against you. And the offense has power over you. Not necessarily the person. The offense has power over you. You also know the enemy. You also allow the enemy to have power over you. And have something with which to accuse you. When you don't forgive. You open the door for the enemy to have power over you. When you don't forgive. When you hold on to the things you have. You allow yourself to be vulnerable to attack. And you wonder why some people never have peace. Why some people are always sick. Why some people always have drama? Because they're living in unforgiveness. And that's when the enemy comes in and makes a wreck of your home, your marriage, your job, whatever. Makes a wreck of it. Right? Unforgiveness can open the door to sickness, disease, physical and mental abuse, attacks. It can affect your capacity to love fully and completely. Do you know that? When you don't forgive, it affects. Oh, I love you with all my heart. No, you don't. You can't love with all your heart because part of your heart is jacked up. You got hurt. 
and you're holding on to stuff. You can't love with all your heart and you can't love completely. Why do you think sometimes people have two, three, and four, and five marriages? Because there's something they're wounded, there's some hurt in their heart. They haven't dealt with it. And they go from one relationship to the next, thinking that the next partner will fix it. But no, you're just taking the problem and affecting that other relationship. And who knows the domino effect? Not only the, that person that you infected with, with, with your mess in your heart, the kids that become infected with it. Because you are hurt. And you keep passing. Think about all the, the marriages that, that get broken up. And how it affects the children involved. The people involved. It causes havoc. Because people are holding on to stuff. People are jacked up with things. Having unforgiveness will also definitely affect your relationship with the Lord. If you're a Christian, if you say you believe in God, you love Jesus. How could you pray to God with a pure heart? Because God is looking for a, con- a clear conscience. When you say you come before God with a pure heart, it means you have a clear conscience. That's what it means. You come before God, you pray with a clear conscience. But how can you if you have stuff against people? You can't. Your prayers are ineffective. Because God knows. He knows what's going on. You can't hide nothing from Him. He already knows. You come in before Him. Lord, help me. Oh, I can't really work with you until you clean up that mess. I don't want to hear nothing you have to say to me. I mean, I'm just saying it, but basically, you know. You see, God resists the proud. See here? And He gives grace to the humble. So it will definitely affect your relationship with the Lord. And if your prayers will be answered or not. Unforgiveness, as I said, will break apart, breaks apart marriages, families, communities, churches, etc., etc. It does it. The enemy is always looking for an opportunity to steal, kill, destroy. And in James three sixteen to seventeen, don't thir- turn there. I'll read it. If there is every evil thing when you have envy, self-seeking, confusion, and strife. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. How can you be without partiality and without hypocrisy? When your conscience is clear. But think about, you know, uh, what's coming up. Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. Why some of us don't want to get together with family members? Because sometimes there is what? Envy. Self-seeking. Confusion. Argument. Strife. Fights. Why? Because we know the, the, we know the enemy is there. We know the usurper is there. And he's using these people to come and spoil the party. To cause confusion and strife. And if you're not careful, the venom that comes out of these people's mouth, if you receive what is said to you, will jack you up. That's why he's, that's why he, that's why there's fighting and envy. He's trying to infect, no, no, I don't know if infect is the right word, but he's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to, to inject things into your spirit to take away your peace. And we cannot be subject to that. So the telltale signs are evident when the enemy is in your presence. So when you see all this drama going on, you say, oh, the enemy's here. He's pulling strings and they're all acting out. But then this is where you have to seek the wisdom of God and how to deal with all this crazy drama. Sometimes the best thing to do is sometimes walk outside and just calm yourself. Because sometimes you just want to 
run your mouth and tell every, and, and speech off everyone. But sometimes just walk away, calm yourself. Say, God, you know what? This is going on. How do I calm this thing down? What do I do? But very important, you're in your house. People come in and act up. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. Come in my house and act up. You got to get out. Walk. I don't care who. I don't care if you're offended. You come in and cause discord in my house, you got to go. Because I'm not receiving that spirit in here. That's why I love my mom. You know, I talked about her when she went by my by her niece. Walked in that house, saw all those flags by the road. Walked in. Say, those were your flags? Say, yeah. I walked turned around and walked out. See, I don't want nothing. I'm nothing to do with that. Nothing. But she didn't care. But I love that about her. She's her conviction. She stood firm in what she believed. She knew the repercussions of when you're walking in darkness. You open your door to your, to the enemy, to your family. So I can't have I, I can't have that thing, demonic thing, coming and affecting me, and I'm going to take that home with me to my kids. No, that is not happening. So sometimes, yeah, I don't. She didn't care if my her niece was was offended. But you got to do what's right, not only for yourself, for your family. Don't worry about what what the people say. I don't care. You can't worry about people's feelings. They come in and disrespect your home. You got to go. Take a walk. We don't want that spirit in this house. So God's way, however, is to bring abundant life and liberty by walking in humility. And humility is what doing things God's way. Say it again. Humility is what doing things God's way. Thank you. Humility, walking in humility, brings abundant life. It brings liberty. You understand that liberty means that the enemy can't jack you up. The enemy can't take advantage of you when he wants to. Because you're learning who you are by the Spirit and by the Word. Mm. 